0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Falcons' Final Whistle Podcast, recorded right here in Ticketmaster Studios. I'm Scott Baer. That's Tori McElhinney. And we have a third member. Mm-hmm. Our duo has turned into a trio. Wow. Because we have John Abraham. You've seen him destroying quarterbacks in the city of Atlanta for a long time, several other teams. We are so happy to have him because we have a guy who knows so much about the game. Yeah. And we just spent the last hour and a half watching the final Falcons mini camp practice, the final practice of the entire offseason program. Yeah, they're about to go in the b- books. break
1: for summer. It's the take last break day of high. school.
0: They're signing yearbooks, mm-hmm. KIT, and stuff. Yeah. But what we're going to do here over the next 20 minutes or so is we're going to kind of take a look at what John saw on the mm-hmm. practice field. We're going to analyze what you and I have seen over the last couple of practices and just kind of say, hey, this is the state of the Falcons right now. Here's where they are, especially on defense, mm-hmm. since since we have a defensive guy here, that we're really gonna dive into that, see where they are, and maybe where they gotta go. Yeah. Right. So fresh off the practice field, right? One thing that you absolutely notice above all else is that Calais Campbell is a massive human being. Mm-hmm. At six foot eight, he towers above just about everybody else. And he hasn't been here for the whole offseason program, but he's been around a lot. Yeah. Especially recently. And you can see the guys. He's in year 15, but John, he he still got it.
2: Uh definitely. Um, just just playing with Calais, knowing what the attitude and the the passion he brings to the game. Mm-hmm. When I first met Calais, I thought he was a big doofy guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, coming from Denver, uh, playing in Miami, I, th- I thought he might have went to Miami and just turned to a crazy man or something <laughs> like that. But he ended up, you know, when I when I met him and I talked to him, you really get to know him. You want to be around him. Mm-hmm. Like you said, his presence is automatically, once you're that size, kind of like a Shaq type guy, mm-hmm. you're automatically going to be, when you walk in the room, people see you, people know who you are, people want to get to know you. Sometimes people don't have the attitude that he has. He talks well, he's very like family oriented mm-hmm. and he generally loves his teammates. Like me being his teammate for that year or a year and a half, like we talked and you got to know him. And when you, when you, when you get to know Calais, you know, like being the man of the year, the water payton man of the year, you could you can see why. Yeah. Because he gives back. And I think he's gonna that's gonna be his biggest attribute on this team, having someone that's level headed. You know, like he's fiery when he plays, but when you get in the locker room you can see the level headedness of him and you can actually talk to him. Like he told me the story he told me was like I guess when I was in, uh, in Arizona, and I'm a vet now, at this time, and I just got fired from y'all. So, you know, I'm, com- I'm coming around a little hotter to come to the collar, I'm really, I'm really not, I'm really not, you know, they-, they give me like three plays a game at the time, and he was like, uh, he just told me this, so I'm just finding this out, he was like, well, you know, the coaches told me to go talk to you, because I was scared, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, why? I was like, yeah, he was like, no, so he came up to me, he was like, John, you know, I know you did all this and did all that, but what have you done for me lately? <laughs> I was looking like, and this before he had in the Pro Bowl, so I was like, man, you made a Pro Bowl yet? <laughs> he was just like, man, so that's the story that me and him shared, but I didn't know that the coaches told him to go over there, but that's that's the kind of pull he has, the kind of power he had, because he wasn't even, I think he was mighty even being in year three, four, or five at that time, so yeah. he wasn't even the Calais Camel we know now, this is the right. no Pro Bowl guy. This is the guy that was just, you know, coming from Miami and, you know, trying to make a name for himself, so that just showed the kind of, I guess, credibility he has at a young age and also has now
1: it's really in first off your uh Calais impression was pretty good maybe maybe the best that I've heard like I can't get that
0: thank you was really good
1: but no I think you make such a good point and I've really enjoyed talking to Calais and something that he said recently when I was talking to him was he was going on about kind of how it's really interesting guys coming up to him even in the calf and even just out on the field and being like hey, uh, it's really nice to meet you, and almost like starstruck to a certain extent of being like, you have been in this for so long, and I really just want to hear you speak about the Mm -hmm. game. And I think that's something that's really interesting about this entire defensive front is that there are a few guys that are like that. You have Calais, you have Bud Dupree, and Grady Jarrett, David Onyemata. For me, I think it's really interesting, though, because I was talking to um, David Onyemata the other day, and he made the comment that he was like, yeah, you know, Calais has come in. Bud's come in. I've come in. You have all these veterans in that have, you know, a lot of things to say and a lot of experience. But this is still Grady's group. And I thought that was so profound in terms of just how other veterans see Grady Jarrett and kind of what he's built here in Atlanta. I mean, just kind of watching someone like a Calais Campbell come in and say that about Grady Jarrett. I mean, what does that just mean about what Grady – what you think Grady Jarrett means to this team?
2: I guess I can speak on it as in you think about when Roddy White was here. Yeah. yeah. When we got Julio, we knew Julio was going to be the guy, mm-hmm. but we knew who house it was. It was still Roddy's house. Everybody knew it was like this is Roddy's house, but you knew it was – you know when Julio – even Julio came, Julio kind of was like, Everybody oh, yeah, yeah. knew, like, it, it wasn't even like nobody was like, Julio is gonna be number two. We was like, we knew it, but it still was like the respect was there for him and Roddy is still friends now. And I think with Grady, you know, being a guy from Georgia, going to Clemson, and being in the area so close to home, yeah. and he he's a name mark, because I look now, he, he has 32 and a half sacks, he had like six last year and it, and if you see the stats you'll be like oh well he ain't, oh you know he don't have like 50 60 sacks he don't have a 100 like Aaron Donald or nothing mm-hmm. like that but it like he brings georgia mm-hmm. like being a fan of georgia now being in atlanta and wanting to see and want to hear people's names he got a big old thing about Grady Hospital like this <laughs> yeah, that yeah, you're really yeah, down <laughs> <a federal board. laughs> yeah, yeah so you know like th- that's the kind of stuff that Calais brings mm-hmm. and you know like being with one team and and having that camaraderie fifth round pick Mm-hmm. Yeah. and coming in here and proving that he he was willing to play. And I think that the biggest thing with me, never got in trouble. Mm-hmm. Very patient kid. Like, I mean, patient, because he, mm-hmm. he played he played. good. Coming come from that Clemson team, they were all kind of Shaq Lawson, this guy, this guy, this guy. He's the only person we really talk about now.
0: Yeah, that's right. And I'm
2: not even trying to be rude to anybody no, else, yeah. but mm-hmm. the saying to have that kind of mentality, mm-hmm. to always be the kind of like not even the underdog, because he's really way far from that. Yeah but seeing how he plays and seeing how he comes out, just, just hearing his name, you'd be like, oh, great. oh, we know him. Mm-hmm. and You feel like you know him even though you don't, know because everybody's been the underdog in life mm-hmm. one time. Yeah. So how he plays and how he shows up every every year, and he always has big plays in big games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see the Super Bowl, yeah. you know, yeah. then, then the play with Tom Brady, even though it was a bull. But you know, <laughs> he, he's gonna be known for that play forever. So that's the kind of plays I wanted to make in my career. I never got them like that. <laughs> I always wanted to get something like that. I never had that. I don't got that, I don't got that trademark yet. I'm like, yeah. good Lord.
0: And and, But with Grady, right, there was a great uh, segment last year where he was mic'd up, and I can't remember which team it was, but he was literally triple teamed, both guards and the center. No, 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 it
1: was two years ago. It was was two years ago. Two years ago, Detroit at home.
0: And it was both guards and the center. Yes, both guards and the center. And they basically just pushed him back, and Grady goes, don't you all have anybody else to block? Yeah. But in 2021, the answer was maybe not, Mm. but this year – you do have other guys to right. block oh. triple blocking Grady's going to be a bad move. If you have on mm-hmm. and Campbell and Dupree and Carter and at coming off the line and me telling this little anecdote is kind of gets back to something that, jo- that John and I were talking about during practice. Falcons had 28 sacks last year, mm-hmm. right? 21. Gener-
2: 21. Okay. Sorry. I <laughs> so 21. So, <laughs>
0: so they're, they're not, they're, They need to generate more pressure and impact the quarterback more often. When I throw these names out, right, and look, they haven't put pads on yet, so you can't read a ton into it. But if you look at this talent on paper, do you think that, look, I'm not saying go straight to Philadelphia 70 sacks, but can they make improvements with Ryan Nielsen at defensive coordinator and the collection of talent that they have?
2: Me personally, just looking at Calais, Ayamada, Grady, Bud Dupree, Kaden Ellis, Lorenzo Carter, Troy Anderson, possibly. I'm I'm looking at Ryan Nelson having 48 sacks in New Orleans, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I'm looking at these guys. Calais had five and a half. Iyama had I think six. Grady six. Bud he didn't have a great year, mm-hmm. but I think with the injured, yeah, yeah, with with with, with the adding of Calais. And Caden, I wanna see him I wanna see him pass rush. I, he had seven sacks last year. So for me personally yeah. being a pass rusher, anywhere in fifty five, come on now. Because I'm like I'm like, you're wearing my number. I'm like, I wanna see fifty five in the, in the backfield again. So I know he's gonna be probably playing off the ball more. Mm-hmm. But I think with the scheme and he knowing that he have so many backup. He has he has a backup plan that I mean we have a we have a tool belt that's pretty Lengthy, mm-hmm. you know, we can pretty much reach for anything and make something happen. You can have, you can have Calais play inside, outside. Mm-hmm. You can have Bud play on or off the line. You can have Caden come in. It can be all kind of schemes that he can mix up with this. And I think what he done with Amu um, you know, last year, you know, with Cam from last year in New Orleans, with this pieces that we have, I can see a lot of stuff happening mm-hmm. from a three-four to four-three, um, man-to-man coverage because I love how our cornerbacks are, and like like we talked about earlier. Acuña is a guy that I really want to see do well, so I think with this kind of lineup, I can't see—I I honestly can't see us doing bad. Mm-hmm. But you know, you never know how the season yeah. goes, barring injuries, right? Yeah, and barring you know how certain people play. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I think you bring up a good point too about the secondary because half the battle is making sure everything in the back end is straight. You know, we can talk all day long about this front seven getting to the quarterback and, and they'll do their job but you got to think about the guys in the back end doing their job as well and I think the fact that you have a guy like Jeff Okuda who's coming in here let's be honest with something to prove I mean this is a guy who I think really really wants to come in in 2023 and and show something a little different and I, I know I was talking to we were talking out at practice and I was I know I was telling you this about a conversation that I recently had with Jerry Gray, who's who's kind of in charge of the, the Falcons' secondary, and he made such an, a profound comment about, I want to see the Jeff Okuda from college. I want that guy back. That guy was confident. That guy was a ball hawk. That guy was getting after it. He, I want to see him show up, and I, I know, like the, the, kind of going off script here a little bit, but f- for you, as someone who's been in this game, what does it kind of take for someone to, to go from being the top, at the pinnacle of, of their career, go through some injuries, had to figure some things out, coming to a new team with a fresh opportunity? I mean, what does that mean for, for a guy like Jeff Okuda?
2: I would say me personally, um, my first year I got injured. Mm-hmm. And I was so young, I didn't think about it. And, I, and, I, and then next year, I went and made the Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. And then I made the Pro Bowl to Pro Bowl. And then when I came to Atlanta, I got hurt again. But this time I didn't handle it like I was supposed to because, first of all, I was immature on how to handle, you know, injuries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes I think that we should uh, go to treatment mm. and not like real treatment, like go to treatment, but like go to talk to someone because mm. trauma is real. Like right. Trauma is real, and, and it's not just from – I think about a, a lot of my career, the reason why I stayed away from football, out of football, because of injuries. I missed 46 games. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm 133.5 sacks. I'm a possible Hall of Famer. Forty-six games. Give me forty-six games back. Right. Three seasons of football. Yeah.
0: Wow. So I played fifteen. Yeah, I played fifteen, yeah, I played 15
2: yeah. years. So, I, but literally, I only played twelve because I only got one hundred ninety-two games. Mm, yeah. So that's a lot of thing that hurt me mentally, mm-hmm. and also you got to think about family stuff that's going on and other stuff that going in life. But I definitely think he got to mentally just get back into the game. Yeah. And you, you got to start over. Yeah, it's a start over. When I came to Atlanta, it was a start over. Every for all the trauma I had from New York, when I came to Atlanta, it was a start over. Mm-hmm. So I was like, look, I. Atlanta. First of all, Atlanta. If, if anybody know Arthur Blank, mm-hmm. and for me, what I what I've heard from or talked to Terry Fontenot mm-hmm. and talked to Arthur Smith, they're the guys that they're not going to hold grudges. Mm-hmm. Like they're kind of like, what are you doing now? And I think that's why they went and got him. Like we, they saw a good player, a good person. Mm-hmm. Detroit, y'all want to fumble this can bag? Be, yeah, you all want to fumble this bag? We're going to see what he can do.
1: Yeah, yeah. Figure it out, and and I think like getting back to what Jeff Akuda's strengths are. Exactly. And that that's just, I think that's what it boils down to. And I, I think Jerry Gray is, is the type of coach that can get that out of Jeff Okuda and I'm excited about it. I know that we need to wrap up, but we haven't talked at all about the offense. Right. Uh, so uh, just for the last. I think mean, like, we got a defense. We talk guy, about it. So we I know, gotta, we talk I know, it. but I got to throw an offensive question in there. And I, I do think that we need to talk about just Bajon Robinson. We were just out at practice. You saw him catch a few balls, you know, run a few routes, all that kind of stuff. And I know we're talking about a quote-unquote running back, but this guy is an offensive weapon. What First time kind of going out to practice, what were your thoughts on, on Bajon Robinson?
2: You know, I can't wait to see him in pads. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the passing camps are great to look at for people who are offensive-minded, yeah. but defense, we're like, man, I want to see him get a little popper. You know, <laughs> you know but, but how he cuts and how he moves, like I think a big thing I, that we were talking about just for, you know, just BSing around, I was like, did you see that hit? So you see what kind of limber he is. Yeah. He got hit, his head was down here, right. his feet came <laughs> all over. If, 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 yeah. if y'all haven't seen this, if y'all haven't seen this, y'all look up the clip of B. John Robinson and that hit. I know it's <laughs> going to be out there somewhere. But, and, and, but watch him and seeing how he stacked. Like mm-hmm. he, he looks like a running back. Yeah. If you've seen running backs that you want that can last in the league, like you know the the the, the nice trunk space, mm-hmm. and, you know the the, the arm, I'm looking like this guy's this guy's nice. And and, and for me playing football for so long, some guys always look small to me. Mm-hmm. So you know once they take the pads off, they look small. Yeah. But but I'm like he's gonna he's he looks like a guy that can be six seven years. We can really you know, put up, you know, put on our backs and like be happy for. You know, there are a lot more sevens gonna be out in the crowd.
0: Totally, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was trying to think of an adjective to like describe how he runs and like, shifty isn't it. Elusive. A, a, like elusive, but he he's like a gl- he's so smooth. Yeah, like he
1: he's like a what's something like. powerful and yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, like powerful and smooth like yeah. at the same time. Like a which car? Uh, some, probably some type of car. Right. I mean, <laughs> I'm not big on cars. I mean, I'm sure there's some
0: type of car. <laughs> I, I think he has a like he has a Lamborghini deal, he does, right? Yeah. So we'll just call him that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, I, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch him. Totally. I think it's going to be fascinating to see a lot of these because we have it, the, the Falcons have a fortified offensive line that's been together. Yeah. Have a lot of good defensive linemen. Let's put the pads on this summer. Let's see how these training camp position battles, how these position offense versus defense battles go. I think that that's when we're really going to get to know what this team is like. But I think what it was important today to dive into the defense so much new, what can they do? Mm -hmm. And let's be honest, John Abraham is going to be back in this chair during training camp. And we're going to evaluate, especially you have to come back after they put the pads on yeah, so we can get a real evaluation from a guy who's been in there Mm -hmm. and then we can go back over the same stuff and see what we've learned and what we can learn about this team as we get towards September 10th Mm -hmm. week one against the Panthers so that's going to wrap it for this edition of the Falcons Final Whistle Podcast, I'm Scott. That's Troy. John, thank you so much for stopping thank by, you. man. I appreciate it. Such an honor, for sure. And please do what you do. Rate, review, subscribe. Give us some five stars. That would be super nice to the Falcons Podcast Network. And we will talk to you again real, real soon. See ya.